If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the New Testament book of Galatians chapter 5, and we will begin there in just a moment, Galatians chapter 5. What if our definition for depression uh, has been wrong uh, for many, many years? What if what we think depression is is not what depression really is? And what if the reason why so many of our efforts to overcome depression have uh, turned out to be so ineffective, what, 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 if, what if the reason why so many of our successes in our battle against depression have turned out to be so short-lived, if all of that is because depression is not what we think it is? Well, I wanna share with you this morning a new definition, what I think is a biblical definition of depression that I think will bring encouragement and show us a new path, a better path to go from depression to joy. So last week we started a six-week series of messages focused on the subject of depression, uh, how we can find hope and get on this journey from depression to joy. And we just established some things last week that we said would serve us uh, throughout the rest of this series. The first thing that we established is that depression is rampant. Many people, and we looked at a number of statistics, so many people are suffering from depression. And it's not just people out there, it's people in here. And I have heard from so many of you this week as you've just shared with me your story, either because you called me or texted me or sent me an email or a Facebook post, so many people in our church day by day have a history with or who are currently struggling with depression, depression is rampant. Another fact that we established last week is that depression is a complex issue. It involves many factors. And while I believe spiritual factors are always at least a part of depression, uh, there can be many other factors. If anybody ever tells you, if you do this, then your depression will go away, that is greatly oversimplifying the matter. Depression can be a very complex thing. Number three, we establish the fact that depression can strike anyone. None of us are, are immune. None of us are so emotionally, spiritually strong that we could never be depressed. In fact, we looked through the pages of scripture and we saw that some of the greatest biblical heroes have suffered from depression. The fourth fact that we established is that depression is a secondary issue. And we're gonna come back to this uh, often in the next few weeks, but depression is emotional pain. And like any other kind of pain, it's not specifically our problem. Now, when you hurt, you think your problem is pain. That's natural. But the truth is that pain really points to a, a different problem an originating problem. If you hurt, you don't just need to cover the pain. You need to find out why it is you hurt. Pain always points to another problem and depression is no exception. And then finally, most importantly, and here's where we spent our time last week, we learned that there is hope in the Lord. We, we learned that in the Lord there is hope, that depression is not a, a sentence from which there is no escape, but with the Lord there is hope. And we said today we would begin to get to some very practical, biblical steps to embrace that hope. And so we'll do that today by defining 
depression, giving a surprising definition that will give us greater hope in our fight uh, with depression. So in order to understand uh, the definition, I first have to train your minds uh, to think in reverse. And so let me, let me give you a statement that will seem odd and maybe not fully comprehensible, but let me give you a statement and then I'll give you an illustration to help, help us understand the statement. And then I think our minds will be headed in the right direction. We can embrace this biblical definition of depression. The statement is this, when we have a problem, any kind of problem, physical problem, uh, financial, spiritual, emotional, relational, when we have a problem, sometimes it's because we have too much of something. Sometimes it's because we don't have enough of something. You see, it's easy to get those two things confused, but when we have a problem, any kind of problem, it is either caused by the fact that we have way too much of something. There's something bad and we have too much of that, or we lack something that's good. There's something that we need to have that we don't have and our lack is causing the problem. So sometimes problems are caused by having something. Sometimes problems are caused by not having something. Best illustration is to think about darkness. Now, if, if your problem is in the middle of the night, uh, you wake up and you're trying to uh, walk through your home, all the lights are off, if your problem is it's too dark to see, you've already tripped over three things, you've run into a door, uh, you've, you've nearly killed yourself, your problem is it's too dark. Now you tell me, darkness as a problem, is that because you don't have something or is it because you have too much of something? Well, it's not because you have too much of something. It's not because you have too much darkness. It's not because somebody is shining darkness at you and they have shined so much darkness that your house is filled with so much darkness that you can't get through the darkness to, to, to be able to see where you're going. It's not that you have too much darkness. Darkness is not having too much of something. Darkness is what? Not having enough of something. It's the absence of light. And so if your problem is that you have, you have darkness, it's too dark to see, you don't need to have some machine that'll suck the darkness out of the room, right? I don't know what kind of machine that would be, but you don't need that. You don't need some kind of machine that can, that can remove the darkness. You, you don't need night vision goggles in, in order to get through. What you need is just to turn on a light, because darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness isn't that you have too much of something bad, it's that you don't have enough of something good. And the only real solution to darkness is to turn on the light. Now, now that you understand that, let's talk about depression. Is depression having too much of something bad I have depression, or is depression not having enough of something good? Is depression a problem that you have, or is it because you have something, like you have the cold or you have a flu, is depression because of something you have, or is depression because of something you do not have? 
I believe the Bible teaches that depression is the result of a lack of something. It, it's, not a, it's not a positive thing that you have in your life that you need to remove that. It is the lack of something that you should have, that you desire to have in your life, but you do not have. And I want to show that to you beginning in Galatians chapter 5. There are a couple of very interesting verses in this, um, in this book that, that many people seldom study, but it is so valuable. And we come down to the end of Galatians chapter 5, and we look at verse 22 and 23. You can see this with me on the screen. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. So it gives us a list, a list of nine character qualities, nine emotional attributes. He gives us this list of these things, and he says, these are the fruit of the Spirit. And there's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And he goes through a list of nine of these things. But let's see if we can determine what the opposite of each of these nine things are. Now, we won't go through all nine. We'll just go through about five of them, and you'll get the gist. And I think when we study what the fruit is, and we see then what the opposite of the fruit is, here's what we're going to discover. I'll go ahead and give you the punchline. Here's what we're looking for. The emotional problems we face is not because we have something bad in our life. It is because we lack the fruit of the Spirit. When we say we're depressed... What we're really saying, what, what is really the case, is not that we are depressed, it's that we lack something else. And you'll see what those things are. So let's go through the first four or five of the fruits of the Spirit. The first one is love. Now, what is love? That, that's when you care for one another. That's uh, when, when you uh, are kind toward one another, when you have concern for one another, that's love. Now, what is the opposite of love? I know you're all thinking hate. But that's the wrong answer here in this context. Uh, the, the opposite of love here would be strife. And so think about it like this. If, if in your marriage relationship, you can have love for one another, that means you're taking care of each other, you're encouraging each other, you're speaking kind words. What's the opposite of that in, uh, in, in, in a marriage relationship? Well, it's not hate. I mean, hopefully you don't hate your spouse. But the opposite of having a loving relationship with your spouse is to have a strife-filled relationship with your spouse. Do you see that? So on one hand, you've got love. On the other hand, you have strife. Those are opposites. Let's look at the next one, joy. Joy. Now, a good definition of joy is simply a, a, a happiness that is not connected with your circumstances. Now, everybody's happy when good things happen. I mean, you, you, you win the sweepstakes, you're happy, right? Uh, when, when, when somebody has a new child, they're, they're happy. When you get married, you're happy. When, I mean, when, when good things happen, we're happy. But joy goes beyond that. Joy is when you're happy and it isn't connected to circumstances. Can you be happy on a day that you feel lousy? Can you be happy on a day when the money has run out? Can you be happy when you're persecuted? Can you, ha can you be happy when things aren't going your way? Can you be happy when, 
When, when, when there are enemies in your life, can you be happy and have cancer? Can you, hap, can you be happy and suffer grief and loss? See, that is joy. The ability to be happy and secure in your walk with God, even when your circumstances say something else. Now, the world can be happy, right? But their happiness depends upon their circumstances. We should have a joy that does not depend on our circumstances. I am a child of God, forgiven of my sins, with my hope of heaven secured. Let the world bring what it will. Those things are still true, and I have joy. Now, if joy is having this happiness that does not depend upon circumstances, what's the opposite of joy? The opposite of joy is depression. Depression. Now, depression is not just being sad. Anybody can be sad. We're sad often. When things happen, we're sad. But our sadness ordinarily is connected with our circumstances. You have a loss, you're sad. Something uh, you don't feel well, you're, you're sad. Somebody close to you suffers, you're sad. Of course, that's connected to circumstances. But depression is when a person is sad and it's not connected to their circumstances. They just wake up under a cloud. They, they're sad all day long. And even when things are going well, even when they don't have a good reason to be sad, they're still sad. That's depression, right? So the opposite of depression is joy. The opposite of joy is depression. Now we're going to go through these next three very quickly in a moment, but let's just stop on this one since our focus is on depression and make sure we understand uh, the connection, the relationship between these two. When a person says she is depressed, the Bible describes that, defines that this way. That person lacks joy. See, if depression is the darkness, joy is the light. And if you have depression, it's not so much that you need to get rid of the depression. Just like if you have darkness, you don't need to suck the darkness out of the room. No, if you have depression, just as if you had darkness, you need somebody to turn on the joy. The, the problem, the reason you have depression, what depression really is, is simply a lack of joy. Now, let's look at the next one, peace. What's the opposite of peace? Stress. You can be peaceful. I'm at peace. I'm at peace. Or you can be stressed out you know, over everything that's going on. You're just constantly stressed out. Those are, those are the opposite. So when a person is stressed, what's the real problem? They lack peace. It's not just that they're stressed, like that's something that they need to have less of. No, they have a deficiency of peace. They need to have more of that. Let's look at patience. What's the opposite of patience? Anxiety or worry. See, a patient person, can, they can just wait upon the Lord. Uh, but if, if, if you're the opposite of that, what are you doing? You're worrying about everything. You're anxious all the time. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Uh, anxiety is the opposite of patience. Kindness. Uh, what's the opposite of kindness? Now, we'll probably think of a lot of words there, but I thought of the word crabbiness. Uh, you, you know what it's like for somebody just to be crabby all the time. Uh, crabbiness is the opposite of kindness. Now, without the fruit of the Spirit in your life, your default is strife, look at this list, 
Your default is strife, depression, stress, anxiety, and crabbiness. You know people like that, right? If you're sitting next to one, don't elbow them because they're crabby. They're liable to (laughs) knock you one in the noggin, okay? But we know some people like that. We are some people like that, right? Now, what's the problem? If, If you are filled with depression and stress and anxiety, if that describes you, what, what's, what's the problem? What's the real definition of your problem here? It's not that you have too much depression, stress, and anxiety. The problem is that you lack the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, and patience. And if the, if the cause, if the source of our problem is what we lack, then the solution is to get that into our lives. What's the biblical prescription for somebody who is depressed? Joy or the fruit of the spirit, which is joy. If you're anxious, what's the biblical prescription for that ailment? Well, if you're anxious, you need patience or more specifically, you need the fruit of the spirit, which is patience. Okay, so we understand the fruit of the spirit now. Let's continue to look at this verse. And if you can even bring that back to us uh, on the screen, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I want you to notice the very beginning of that. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and then it lists these these nine things. The fruit is of the Spirit. The only source of this fruit is the Spirit of God. You won't find it uh, in, a, in a pill. It, we talked last week, sometimes medication plays a very important role in depression. And uh, you go back and listen to that if, if, if you weren't here. But, but a pill's not going to bring you joy, right? A, a pill may, may, may help you have some time to overcome depression, but a pill's not going to bring you joy. Doing yoga is not going to bring you joy. Uh, having better ventilation in your house is not going to bring you joy. Uh, hanging, um, uh, eating garlic is not going to bring you joy. I mean, there are a lot of things that people talk about that, that may have some temporary impact on our emotional strength, but the only place you'll find joy is from the Lord. That's why this says the fruit of the Spirit is, is joy. The fruit that God offers these nine things. Now, there's, there's much artificial fruit have you ever gone to somebody's house uh, and, and, and seen on their counter some grapes that look like this? You ever seen this? This, this might be a generation ago, but, but <laughs> no offense if this is the decor of your house, but <laughs> now you're thinking the pastor's being crabby now, and I don't know what to do with that. But, but you go to somebody's house, and you know, really, if you just look at these, these look great. They look juicy. They look satisfying. These, these grapes look wonderful, but they're not real. And if you were to eat two or three of them, you would quickly find out that they're not nearly as appetizing as they might appear. Now, everything that the world offers in the way of joy is just a plastic grape. I mean, it it, it may look good, it may seem appealing to you, but there is a difference between this and a real grape, right? How many of you have ever heard of tang, 
T-A-N-G. You old enough to know what that is? And so I remember when I was a kid, Tang was being advertised on television as a substitute for orange juice. And they said that you should drink it because it's such a good substitute that they take it to space and the astronauts have Tang. Well, I remember as a little boy, I, I wanted some Tang. I mean, if, the, if this is astronaut orange juice, I have got to have some until I tasted it, right? <laughs> you ever had Tang? It didn't taste anything like orange juice. It might look like orange juice, but it is not orange juice. Now, now the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, these beautiful and valuable things that, so, that we so badly need. Everything the world offers is tame. Everything the world offers is a plastic grape. It is only from the Lord that we're gonna find real joy and real peace and real patience. Now, is that, a good news? Is that good news or bad news that the only source of joy is the Lord? Well, it's bad news if you're looking for joy somewhere else because you will spend a lifetime disappointed in your tang. But it's good news if you're running to Jesus because in Jesus, there's joy for everyone. So uh, we understand the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. That's, that's the stuff we need as opposed to depression, stress, anxiety. Uh, we understand that it comes from the Lord. Uh, so so where, where do we get this then? I mean, how do we obtain it? If it comes from the Lord, how does it become ours? Well, here's where I, I want to connect one Bible passage with another one. So we've been in uh, Galatians chapter 5. Turn to the left, if you will, a little bit into John chapter 15. Now, Jesus is going to take a, a very, very similar analogy, and he's going to finish the story. If I'm going to find joy, which is turning the light on against the darkness of depression, it must come from the Lord. How do I get it? Sometimes I'm frustrated. Sometimes you're frustrated because we want joy. We just don't know how to get joy. I know that God has joy. I know I can find joy in the Lord, but how do I get it from the Lord to the me? Well, he tells us in John chapter 15, and I want to read about half dozen verses. Verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So think of a, of a, of a grape uh, vine. And so the vine comes out of the ground. And then when it, when it reaches a certain height, branches come off the vine. And on the branches, you have grapes. You got it? You got a vine, you got some branches, and then on the branches, you have grapes. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So God is interested in the branches producing fruit. Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener. Who are the branches? We are the branches. We are the branches. God is interested that we branches produce fruit. Now, what is the fruit? Well, among other things, the fruit is the fruit of the spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness, those things 
are in part the fruit that he's talking about here in John chapter 15. So he goes on in verse three, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself until it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Now, common sense, great illustration. He says that a branch will not produce fruit unless what? Unless it is connected to the vine and it stays connected to the vine. That's why he uses the word remain. Your Bible may say abide. It must abide. It must stay connected to the vine. He said the same thing is true of us. That if you want to have fruit in your life, if you're going to have joy in your life instead of depression, you must stay connected to the vine, which is, which is Jesus. Look at verse 5. He says again, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit for be, because you can do nothing without me. So if you cut the branch off the vine, how much fruit will it grow laying on the ground? None. If you as a Christian are not continually connected with Christ, how much spiritual fruit will you have in your life? None. The only hope you have is the, is the tang and the plastic grapes that the world offers. You will have no lasting fruit in your life. Verse six, he says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and it withers and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Somebody asked me last week, we gave statistics last Sunday about how depression is, is on the rise in America, dramatically on the rise. And we saw that not only is it on the rise because more people are seeking medical help, and so that would be reflected in the numbers being on the rise, but we can measure it in other ways separate from that, and we can see that even apart from our greater awareness today, that it is dramatically on the rise. So somebody asked, uh, this is a legitimate question, Pastor, why do you think depression is worse now than it was 10 years ago that is more prevalent now, way more prevalent now than it was 30 years ago or 100 years ago? Why is it on the rise? Well, I, I believe it's this. And, and, and this is speculating. Of course, the Bible doesn't tell us why in uh, you know, 2018, 21st century America, that, uh, that depression is on the rise. But when you, when you put these, this Bible information together, this is, this is my conclusion. It's on the rise because abiding in Christ is on the decrease. There are fewer and fewer people who have a, an abiding relationship with Christ. You see it in church attendance. You see it in the number of people who read their Bible, even in churches. Uh, so 20 years ago, the typical church person uh, would attend church about 48 times a year, those who were active. Now 48 went to 46 and 45 and 40 and 35. Now, now an active church member is someone who attends half the time. Now, I'm not here to preach on church attendance. I'm just saying that we shouldn't be surprised as the indicators that we abide in Christ go down, should we be surprised that depression goes up? 
Because he says if you do not abide in the vine, that you will have no fruit. And that fruit at least includes, it can be some other things, but it at least includes the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy and peace and patience. And I can tell you from my personal experience, we, we preach the Bible here, not our personal experiences, but I'll give you a testimony. When I am abiding in Christ, when I am so connected with Christ, when my walk with Christ is strong, my joy is high. But when my connection with Christ, when my abiding with Christ is frail, my joy is low. And that's the testimony of Scripture, and it's the testimony of Christ, that apart from abiding in him, you will bear no fruit. So how do we get the fruit? That's, that's what you want to know. That's the question of the hour. How do we get the spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, patience? So how do we turn the light on to drive away depression, stress, and anxiety? Well, from this passage that Jesus has given us, let me share three quick things. Number one, we must stay connected to Christ. Stay connected to Christ. Over and over in the verses I read, he says, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. I think it's in there a half dozen times. Your Bible, as I said, may say abide in Christ. Same thing. Remain means to be continually attached. Abide means to be continually attached. The illustration is talking about a branch into a vine. And we know that that branch will be healthy as long as it is continually attached. We must stay attached to Jesus. Um, for, great, for a great branch to be laden with fruit, it must be connected to the vine. Uh, now, there are three reasons why. It will produce no fruit by itself. This is common sense. If you separate the vine from the branch, or the branch from the vine, how much, how many grapes will it grow? None. Now, you can be a Christian and not be abiding in Christ, and many, for many that is true, but if you are not abiding in Christ, if, you have, if, you have, if you're not continually connected with Christ, then there will be no love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. Okay? Second thing, it will not produce, the branch will not produce, if it's not connected to the vine, it will not produce an abundance of its fruit if the connection is not healthy. And so you need to be connected to Christ. It needs to be a healthy, vibrant connection. And then number three under this, it will not produce fruit if it is occasionally connected to the vine. Okay, now that gets to the real heart of the meaning of the word abide or remain. And it gets to the heart of the meaning of the illustration. This is not, we know when we think about, and I don't know a lot about growing grapes, but we just know enough about life to understand this. If the branch is connected just for a couple of days and then disconnected, that's not enough. If it's connected for an hour a day, I mean, that's crazy. That's ridiculous, right? A branch can't be connected just an hour a day. But if it were connected just an hour a day, it would not produce fruit. The key to producing fruit is to be continually connected. There are two key words here. One is connection and the other is consistency. In order for the branch to grow the fruit... In order for me to have joy, I have to be connected and the connection must be consistent. Let's talk about each of those two words. First of all, connected. 
If you are not connected to Christ, if there's never been a time in your life when you have understood that because of your sin, you're separated from God, and there is not anything you can do, there is not a list of rules you can keep, there is not a list of sacrifices you could make or prayers that you could pray that would overcome your sins. You are hopelessly lost and doomed because of your sin, except for one thing, and that's the fact that Christ died for you. And you owed a debt of, uh, for, for your sins of death, but Jesus died a death for you, and your only hope is to surrender your life to him, to trust what he has done, and to repent of your sins, surrender to him. Friends, if you've never done that, then you'll never have the fruit of the Spirit. You'll have some tang in your life, and you may think your tang is orange juice. You know what I mean? I mean, you may, there are lost people that think they have joy, but they have no idea of the joy that Jesus offers. And if you've never connected with Jesus, then all the other stuff you do will be futile in the end because joy only comes into the life of those connected to Jesus. Today when we conclude the service, be people standing down here in the front and you can come and just take somebody's hand and say, hey, today I have surrendered to Jesus. I don't understand all of that, but I know I'm guilty of sin. My only hope is Christ and I turn my life over to him. And that will begin your connection and your ability to bear fruit from the vine. So connection is the first word. The second word is consistency, consistency. You will not bear fruit unless you're consistently connected. Uh, I, I looked this up this week. You know how long it takes to grow grapes? You, you plant a, a, a vine, a grape vine. I don't, I don't know all the words here, but you plant it. How long do you have to wait before you harvest grapes? Three years. I read three years before it's not like planting a tomato plant, right? Three years it takes to grow grapes uh, that you can harvest. And so Jesus uses the illustration of grapes to describe how consistently we must be connected with Jesus. So how do we have this consistent connection? How do, we, how do we have, how, if you're suffering from depression or stress or anxiety, how can you have a, a connection with Jesus so consistent that you, you have joy growing in your life? Uh, well, number one, you have to be patient. There are going to be some tough seasons in life. Uh, j- just like the grapevine does not grow grapes constantly, there are seasons In your life and in my life, there are going to be some emotional, spiritual seasons. But to have joy, we must stay connected, consistently connected, even in the dry season. Does that make sense? So too many people are walking with Christ, and then they go through a dry time, they go through a difficult time, they go through a dark time, and then they step away from Christ. When, when, when that darkness might have been right before their greatest ever harvest of joy, but they quit too early. To be consistent means that we're patient in the difficult times, that we stay consistent with Christ in the difficult time. But it also means that we prioritize our walk with the Lord, 
that we invest time and we invest energy. If you have not enough time for Jesus, then you will not have enough time for joy. See, we have to invest our time. We have to invest our energy. Uh, we must uh, marry together persistence and consistence. I, I, I am gonna, I'm going to persistently seek Christ. I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to find ways to, to seek after Christ. And I'm going to be consistent in that. And when you fail, it means you get up and keep going. And so if I'm going to have this, this kind of remaining or abiding connection with Christ that's going to produce fruit in my life, it's going to be because I'm connected and I'm consistent. And my consistency is, is patient through the dry times, but it's a priority in my life. I will stay connected to Christ. I will not let the cares of this world, I will not let my busy schedule, I will not let the, the distractions of, of, of other people keep me from being connected, consistently connected with Christ. So he says the way to, the way to grow fruit, number one, stay connected to Christ. Number two, we must be saturated with the Bible. If we're going to grow fruit, we have to be saturated with the Bible. Now, I want you to see that here in verse 7. John 15, 7, uh, th this is what Jesus says. If you remain in me, that means you're connected to the vine, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Jesus says that the connection point, you know, if you're looking, I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at uh, a grape vine and branches, you know, they run all different ways, and there's usually there's something that they're growing on. Somebody strings some wire, some, so, something across so that they can grow up. And so you, you find a leaf or you find some grapes, and you got to track that up and down. It makes a couple of loops here and there, but eventually it connects to the vine. Well, so you see all of that vine and branch stretching all different ways. But if you look closely and you follow it, you will find the place, the one place where that branch connects to that vine, okay, that connection place. Now for us, what is that connection place? Well, he tells us here in verse seven that that connection is the word of God. It is the Bible. The Bible is the key to connecting and remaining connected. It is the key to abiding in Christ. That's why he says, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Uh, I looked it up this week for a grapevine to grow healthy grapes. It must have water and nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, copper, iron, iron, and zinc. Those are the key ingredients to growing not plastic grapes, but real grapes that uh, would be tasty and satisfying. And so a, a grape is a, is a beautiful arrangement of all of those different nutrients that the vine has pulled from the soil. Now, to be a spirit-filled Christian... To be a Christian for whom the, the fruit of the Spirit describes me, to be a person of love and joy and peace and patience, isn't that what you want to be? And kindness and goodness and gentleness. To be that means that we have to have all these different nutrients and, and a beautiful arrangement of all these different nutrients that come from the vine. Where are those nutrients found? They're found in the Word of God. And so we must be saturated. I really like that word, saturated in the Bible. If we're going to, 
to have healthy spiritual fruit in our lives, we, we must pull out all of these different nutrients. And we don't even know what all they are, but we must be pulling out all these nutrients from God's word. So how do we saturate ourselves in God's word? I think number one, you, you're in it every day. Uh, we, we, we all fail at this at some point, but, but, the, but the Christians who are bearing spiritual fruit are the Christians who are making an honest effort to be in the word every day. I mean, you wouldn't just eat once a week, right? You're not going to become an athlete by exercising once a week, right? I mean, there are just some things that must be every day. And in order for us to be saturated in God's word, to effectively and quickly grow the fruit of the spirit in our lives, we must be in God's word every day. If I'm not in God's word every day, it's reflected in my emotional health. And it is yours, whether you admit it or not. Because uh, if it's only if I remain in him and his words remain in me that I will bear fruit. Jesus says it just that simply. So it needs to be daily. Then I think it needs to be weekly. The Bible talks about the foolishness of preaching. All right, now I don't really like that word, right? I mean, I don't want to think of preaching as foolishness. But, but what Jesus is saying is it is... It is through the, the act of, of, of listening to somebody stand and teach God's word, hopefully in a, in a persuasive way that helps you understand it and apply it to your life. It is standing or listening to that regularly that God uses that tool to bring nutrients into your life. I'll say things on Sunday morning here that you probably won't won't read on your own in the Bible. Now, hopefully I won't say something that's not taught in the Bible, but I will bring forth nutrients that you might not have received on your own. I make sure I listen to somebody preach every week because I need somebody to bring forth some nutrients from God's word that I wouldn't have noticed on my own. And, and if we're going to be saturated in God's word, we need to read it daily. We need to be under the preaching and teaching of God's word every week. And then we need, number three, to be in a group. There needs to be a group of people somewhere with whom we are discussing God's word. And maybe for you that's Sunday school. Maybe for you that's Bible study fellowship. Or maybe for you that's, that's three men sitting at the coffee shop on, on Tuesday mornings and being disciplined that we're gonna spend an hour just talking about what we've read in the Bible this week. But, but in order to be saturated in God's word, you need to have your personal time. You need to have our corporate time, but there, then there needs to be some discussion time where you are studying God's word along with some other people. It, Jesus makes it so, so plain. And I know I'm repeating myself, but we just miss this so much. This is one of the reasons why so many people, not everybody, but so many people are suffering from depression. You will not bear fruit, Jesus says in verse 7, unless you abide in me and my word abides or remains in you. Now, number three, if we're going to grow this spiritual fruit, we must allow the truth to prune our lives. Now let's look back up to verse two. Jesus said, John 15, two, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, uh, which is another sermon we'll preach soon. Uh, uh, and it, but it goes on and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. And so I don't know a lot about farming or, or, or plants or those kind of things. But I, I understand this much that if you're going to grow great grapes, if you're going to have a great harvest, then the farmer needs to know how to come on and prune, that is to cut away 
unnecessary growth in dead branches. And there's an art and a science to that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm told people who, who are great farmers, uh, they, they know how to do this in, in, in ways and how well they do that determines the, uh, the yield of their crop. Uh, there's an art and a science to that. You have to cut away just the right part at just the right time. Well, the Bible says that as we read God's word, this is important, as we read God's word, God prunes us. He cuts away some things in our lives. He, he, he confronts us with some things. Now, the reason why I bring this up, obviously because it's in, in the scripture, but I want you to know that it's not just enough to read the Bible. Sometimes people will say, well, pastor, I've been depressed for 15 years and I've read the Bible every day. Well, there could be a lot of reasons for that and, and uh, we, we've talked about depression is a complex issue. But it's more than just reading it. It's allowing the Bible to prune your life. It, it, it's reading the Bible with the attitude, I'm going to see what the Bible has to say or I'm going to listen to a sermon and I'm going to see what it has to say that I need to change in, in me. If your morning Bible study reading doesn't challenge you, then it's not pruning and you're not going to grow more fruit. If the, the weekly sermon does not prick you, then if you don't allow it to prick you, then, then you're not being pruned and you're not going to grow more fruit. If your accountability with other people when you're studying the Bible, if the accountability does not push you, if there's not somebody pushing you and holding you accountable, then there's no pruning taking place. It's not enough just to be exposed to God's word. Now, let me ask you something that'll probably say more about me than you, but have you ever bought, probably shouldn't say this, but have you ever bought a treadmill and put it in your bedroom only to discover that that's the best place in the world to hang clothes? <laughs> Anybody ever done that? And you know, what I've learned about treadmills in the bedroom is they don't make you any healthier at all. You can sleep with the thing, it doesn't make you healthier. You can look at it the first thing you see every morning and the last thing you see at night and it will make you no healthier unless you get on it and let it make you sweat, right? And you can let the word of God be the first and last thing you see. You can sleep with it. You can never miss a Sunday. But if you don't let it make you sweat, if you don't let God use it to prune you, then you'll not grow fruit. So I know people struggle with depression. I'm telling you the scripture says that oftentimes it's not so much because there's something wrong as it is because you don't have something that God wants you to have. And that's the fruit of joy. I want you to see one last verse. I know we're way over on time, but let's please look at, look at this with me just patiently for a moment. Verse 11 I didn't read it a moment ago. I wanted to save it. John 15, 11. He says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That is a wonderful verse. First of all, he's, he tells us why he gave us this illustration of the, of the vine and the branches. Why did he tell us this? He told us this so that we could have joy. What he's saying is you can't have joy unless you know this. Unless you understand that, that joy comes from the spirit 
through the vine and you must be connected and remain connected. He says, I've told you this because there's no other way to have joy. You may find a way to have some artificial something, but joy only comes this way. But, but look, the verses on the screen, notice the second thing. He, he says there's something different about his joy. Notice he says, I told you these things that my joy may be in you. What, what do you think was different about his joy? See, his joy never wavered. See, see, too many of us, we're on the emotional roller coaster of life. It's up and down and up and down. But God's joy never, never roller coasters. It's consistent. When good things happen, when bad things happen, it's just a consistent joy. That's the kind of joy that God offers. Isn't that what you want? The consistent joy? And then he says uh, there at the end that your joy may be complete. You know what complete means? That's maybe an unfortunate translation there. You, you know what complete means? It means full. Full. You imagine a coffee cup. If somebody's pouring coffee in and it's getting, it's getting fuller and fuller and fuller. When is it complete? When it is so full of coffee that if you put in one more drop, it'd run over the edge. How much joy does God want us to have? He wants us to have so much joy that we couldn't have more. That one more drop would just break us. That one more drop, we couldn't contain it. He wants us to have that kind of joy. Now there'll be seasons in life just like there's seasons in growing grapes. But we have hope in Jesus if we will abide in him. Head bowed, eyes closed, let me pray. Father, we look a lot of places to find joy and peace and patience. And, and, and we may find helpful things here and there that may, may give us a boost or a temporary, uh, some temporary peace. But we know that the real fruit will only come because we're connected to the vine. Forgive us when our connection has been intermittent, when our connection has been faulty. And help us to begin today an abiding with Christ, a remaining with Christ that'll produce great fruit for your glory. Help us to be people who have your joy and we have it fully and completely. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.